Hi, I'm Mara Webster with In Creative Company, and today I'm joined by the wonderful Tony Revolori to talk all about the Disney Plus series Willow. Um, and, and I wanted to start by asking a little bit about the way in which you first found how you were going to play this character. Uh, one one of the earliest moments is, is kind of a descriptor of your character, in essence. Um, I think it's Kit talking about him and saying, well, I, I met him once and I curtsied and he awkwardly said thank you and then left the room. And that gives <laughs> us so much of a sense of who he is as a character before before we've even we've even seen him in a multitude of scenes and so as you were going through the scripts and seeing details like that that tell you about his personality you know his introversion um mm -hmm. you know and even just some of the physical elements that come to mind when you read something like that how did even just details of other characters talking about him help you figure out how to play him i think it's 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 less about it was more about the perception of him um graden is one of those characters that as you mentioned, is perceived more than he's actually seen, um, especially at the very beginning. But I think that also happens in terms of uh, just being royalty. And, um, you know, you take that into account and couple it with the bits of tidbit that I knew because, you know, John, our showrunner and, and, and producer and all the creative team, you know, Max Taylor and, and all of them kind of gave me all the information that I needed to have in the past because they knew the character beforehand. Um, and then we were able to kind of shape all the little bits afterwards. Uh, they were writing episodes five through the rest of the season till while we were shooting uh, episodes one and two. So I think them learning our dynamics and our camaraderie and chemistry between the cast really also informed the way they wrote him after because it also continues on throughout the entire show um but beyond that it's he's one of those characters who who lives in the past and with people like that you know it, they they're quite marred by it and can't really seem to ever understand why they can't live in the present. And so that was the fun thing to play about Graydon, just that he wasn't really necessarily ever going to be okay in his life until he started living and forced, and this adventure forced him to kind of start. And and there's there's details about you know his father's perception of him and and given with what you were talking about with a lot of people perceive certain aspects of him and and are very observational of him without getting to know him uh, mm -hmm. because of him being raised as royalty. How did you view that relationship that he has with himself in terms of the idea of of everyone around having a sense of who he should be and particularly his father and the fact that it's probably even more of a personal disappointment to himself that he isn't that version of himself given that he's also being received publicly as well and so there's there's a sense of, of judgment of others that it seems like he feels very strongly yeah I think he, he has a sense of disappointment in himself um which is a very tragic thing where he doesn't feel like he'll ever be able to live up to what anyone wants and or needs of him um which again is just very very sad and, and it comes from the public it comes from um his parents and um most of all, it's tragic because he's, he's, he compares himself to his older brother, um, who 
you know, unfortunately passes and is now left to be kind of the prodigal son because there's no one left. And I don't think he ever believed and believes he can do that. He doesn't believe in his own strengths, which is he's a compassion, empathetic, compassionate, empathetic um, human being. And I think, you know, albeit he's not the most physically gifted, even among this crew of questers, um, he adds a lot to the group in being a sounding board, in being someone to talk to and lean on, um, but also being hyper-intelligent you know, equal to, if not more than, you know, Willow in kind of all regards. Um, and it's something that is very necessary. Um, so again, it's just it's just one of those things where he never understood his own strengths. Um, and it is tragic because it seems like he's the only one who can't. And there's a great moment in episode two where he's kind of telling Elora about how she should believe in herself. And it's, it was, it dawned on me how hypocritical he's being in that moment because he doesn't think that of himself at all. I also love the the juxtaposition of what you're talking about with the things that end up really being his strengths is that there's moments where certain aspects of him are a strength. And at the same time, that same thing can be a weakness, you know, him, mm-hmm. him being very book smart, all of a sudden he's the person to understand another language and read a passage and understand what they need to do next on their journey. And at the same time, that's one of the things that sometimes is his weakness is that, you know, he's more the intellect than the physical person. And then equally he has you know, we, so he has strengths that are weaknesses as much as he has weaknesses that are strengths. Yeah. And and so what did that unlock in getting to not only play something as like a singular facet of like, this is just his strength, but to get to play the same aspect of a character and really find those different dimensions and where it serves them in life and where it doesn't. Yeah. You know, it was it, it, one of the, one of the kind of fun things was someone explained to me when, after watching the show for a little bit, um, they were like, he, Graydon is my favorite type of coward because he's a brave coward. He's a coward who says, I'm scared, but then still will go and do the thing that he's scared to do. And much like you just said, the juxtaposition of his strength being his weakness and his weakness being his strength at the same time, that that is who he is and that's inherent to it. Um, but regardless, he's growing from it. He, he's learning to understand there are moments where I am needed and there's moments where I'm not. And I don't think you ever have had a character written in such a wonderful way, but also aware of being able to do that, especially a male character. You know, I love that the show has three absolutely powerhouse women at its center. And, you know, much to the antithesis of, you know, Borman, who who bleeds that he's the hero, bleeds that he needs to be the one to save everything. Graydon knows he's not that person, and he's okay not being the main character of the story, um, which is a little bit tragic because everyone should feel like the main character of their own stories. Um, but in this regard, he's happy to be the supporting character for everyone and be the pillar um, and the foundation for whatever this crew may be and need to do. Um, 
which is ultimately tragic because I don't think anyone actually realizes what he's doing, you know, whether it be the conversations he has with Willow or Laura or Jade or Kit and even Borman, you know, he's always there. Um, so again, the juxtaposition is very, very interesting and it was extremely fun to play. Um, it was, it was a difficult thing to play because you had to find out or you had to figure out which moment was the moment to, to kind of play it as a strength, play it as a weakness. And thankfully we had, you know, the wonderful writer's room and, and writers to give me easy uh, uh, thoughts and, and make it as simple as possible for me. But regardless, you know, finding those moments where, you know, I'm just in the background and I can figure out what needs to be done for this character, whether it be small, big, or impactful, it didn't matter. And, um, and it was a lot of fun to play. Um, difficult, but fun. And and you're so right in terms of the dynamic of, particularly as a male character, it's the antithesis of, of what we often see, that he is the person to sit there and be the listener rather than the speaker in so many of these moments. And so what was the dynamic in, in filming a lot of the scenes with your castmates? And even like you said, you know, making those slightly smaller choices in some of the ensemble scenes where it's not about needing to be in the foreground, but about those quiet choices that you can make in the background where nobody's even necessarily seeing what he's doing, but he's still always having this really powerful impact on everyone around him it ended up being a very very <laughs> um straightforward way of shooting it because one i've, I've been acting for 23 years now 23 24 24 jesus wow um 24 years now uh i have a bit of experience and so in the first two episodes, you know, Graydon is even more in the background than anything else. Um, and Stephen Wolfenden, our, our director of the first block, which is the first two episodes, um, was shooting everyone else because, you know, they're talking to this, to that. And I would strategically position myself to be out of everyone's shot. So that way I could go and rest in the trailer for as long as I can uh, or take a nap over the hill, which... I did constantly and to the dismay of the crew because they would lose me and would not know where to find me because I would just find a corner to sleep in, but I would not need to be in any of these shots. And so by the end, you know, it's a single on me and it would be the end of the day. And they're like, we have 30 minutes, Tony, don't mess it up. And, you know, I, I, I try not to, but again, through that dynamic that ended up being happening on the beginning, it ended up then translating to the rest of the episodes where, you know, Graydon is the person who listens, the person who, who, you know, takes a second to hear what you, what you need to say and then respond with what you need um, or what you want um, because both might not be the same. Um, so through that dynamic, throughout the script, then it just became a thing where working with my co-stars and kind of having the conversations with the creative team, we realized very much and very quickly, Graydon is kind of the audience and Graydon is kind of the straight man. If this is all a comedy, Graydon's a straight man for everyone to have a joke, for everyone to have a moment. Um, and he's kind of the blank wall that you can just throw something and have it bounce back at. Um, and it's a lot of fun. 
Um, it's not something that gets recognized a lot because everyone loves the joke and everyone loves the bits. And, um, you know, every now and then I did throw in a couple myself because, you know, it's fun and who wouldn't. Um, but at the same time, you know, it, it's a great pleasure to be working with a cast like this where you can be generous and you know they're just going to make the show in itself even better with whatever they're doing and in turn make you better. Um, and so, you know, I worked very early on in my career and on an ensemble film. And, and then, you know, later on when I grew up, I did another one with um, Wes Anderson. And, you know, you kind of really learn how generous everyone can be and how they effortlessly don't even talk about it, but they help each other. Um, so that's something that I just always want to bring. Um, and whether or not, you know, they know or feel it or felt it, um, I was always there and, and kind of I got to put that into Graydon um, and it worked and it worked. And again, it's not like he isn't impactful and he's just in the background. He's just, it's a lot more unsaid than said. You know, if they say a picture paints a thousand words and Graydon's a picture. I, that's such a wonderful analogy of him as a character and 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 going back to what you were talking about just there with the comedy as well because there are moments where there are comedic beats in the show that land because of him you know there's something just kind of inherently funny about you know the idea of what you were saying of him being the perfect coward of you know he he never mm -hmm. considered the fact that his life might be on the line in going on this quest um and all of a sudden he's yeah. had to realize it and he talks about oh my two fears are death and communal bathing but actually why it's funny is the inherent grounded element of those are two di very different things at different levels that genuinely create a lot of anxiety and fear in him um, and so did you find that the key to creating those comedic beats within the show was really just pay playing to like the straight edge grounded element of what it means to your character absolutely you know but I've also I've also grown up in being um or watching a lot of wonderful classic comedians, people like the Smothers Brothers, Peter Seller, um, and and you know people like that, and particularly in the Smothers Brothers, when you uh, you know they're an old comedy duo. If you don't know, um, if you've ever seen the video of um, Keith Moon from The Who blowing up his um, <laughs> bass drum and into Pete Townsend's ear, that was on their show. Um, anyway. There's always, the younger brother was always a big comedian making the jokes. The older one was always a little bit more straight laced. I'm the younger brother, but for whatever reason, ended up kind of leaning myself into that position. Um, and um, it, it ends up being that the character of Graydon is okay with his anxieties and everything. And he's learned at a, to be at a stable level of it. And he's got a comfortable enough life with those anxieties that now being forced upon this journey, there's there's room for him to freak out. There's room for him to kind of be a little bit more than just the normal grumbling, shuffling person. Um, but I think it ended up being just a a thing where I wanted to emulate the people I admired, the the comedians I admire. And, and most of them are, you know, quite subdued, quite, you know, uh, internal, um, 
especially when you have a character who played brilliantly by Amrachata Patel in his Thoraxis Borman, who gets to be a little bit more outwardly, you want to have a balance and you don't want everyone bouncing off the walls. You want someone that you can be like, great, that's funny because he's this, you know, and, and, you know, it was never a conscious decision, but it just ended up happening and I'm so grateful for it. And I think um, some of my favorite moments were, were, you know, with Amr or with um, Ellie, because Ellie is just this kind of fairy character who is so naive and kind of the antithesis of Graydon, yet they complement each other beautifully. And, and in the same way, Borman is the antithesis of him. So it was just, you know, a necessary thing that had to happen that I was happy to contribute. That's so wonderful. And, and for this role as well, there was, there was a lot of extensive training and preparation that went into it for you and all the rest of the cast. Um, you know, there was stunt training, working with yeah. horse riding, uh, weaponry <laughs> training, sword fighting, but for you, especially in going through, you know, all of those boot camps essentially for your character, um, how did you find the, the physical outlay of what does it look like for a character who's never had a need to pick up a sword himself and be the person in the middle of a battle, but now is going forth into this space. And, and even just in the course of a season, you know, the more situations he's placed in, the more he's learning just a little bit more each time, or the, the more he knows how to hold a sword in the right way. But the first time that yeah. he picks it up, it's going to look very different. So not just creating a fighting style for him, that's a little bit more, you know, reticent to engage in conflict, but one that gradually grows a little bit more confidence for him along the way. Yeah, I mean, I'm so grateful to the stunt team and and also our PT, um, CC Smith, who was our, our stunt coordinator, and Matt Boeing, who was our personal trainer on it, who got us physically ready for the role. Because beyond just the sword fights and the fight scenes, you're out in the mountains in the cold and thick, you know, clothes, walking up mud. And boy, did we need to get physically ready for it. Um so I'm grateful to him for that and making sure that like training all throughout the series was kept fun, but also CC and the entire Sun team um, from, you know, Luke and, and um, oh man, I, I'm, I'm Sarah, I'm misremembering everyone's name, Lucy. Um, but all of them with Graydon, it was very much an easy kind of, figuring out it was a lot of evading it was a lot of you know dodging it was a lot of how and we were very cognizant and per episode per scene like has he been training what has he been doing what has he not been doing and one of the things that we ended up settling on was you know he's never going to really be good at a sword in season one um he never will ever get the hang of it but who he is and in the shadows and in the background a knife seems appropriate a knife seems like something that he could develop in and so we ended up finding ourselves going down that route a lot um whether it be one or two that he finds or this or that you know uh he we we kind of push down that thing but also we wanted to make it fun regardless and so you know, we, we, we made it accidental luck. You know, there were a lot of fight scenes with, you know, certain creatures that happened later on in, in other episodes soon to come 
where it's pure dumb luck that he he gets a win or gets a thing and kind of that helps build his own confidence to be more courageous and 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 physical in fights because he knows okay i did it once i can do it again um and kind of just believe in himself um but beyond that um (laughs) it was a lot of fun to just kind of be rolling around escaping um figuring it out and and regardless letting the people who needed to shine shine you know uh, Umar and and uh, Aaron and Ruby are phenomenal swords people in the show and they work their ass off to do it and they look so phenomenal a lot of the time it was them or if it wasn't them it'd be because you know something was dangerous a loose rock or something but you know they they did most of it themselves and, and it was it was incredible to watch. And so it made me want to do more, but I realized it's okay. I don't have to. Um, I'll happily be in the corner eating Nando's while I see you guys fight. Taking a nap over the hill. <laughs> Taking a nap over the hill. Oh God, too many times. I got in trouble a couple of times for doing that. <laughs> because, I mean, the same as what you're saying there with, with you know, he's never going to be a master swordsman by the end of season one. It's also he's, you know, he is starting to find more confidence in himself and believe in himself and appreciate Absolutely. his own attributes. But again, he's never going to be fully fledged in in his emotional journey as a character either. And so through conversations that you would have have with Jonathan Cadston, the showrunner, um, mm-hmm. you know, in the script and having certain elements in the scripts and an idea of where this character was going. Did you, was there a space where you felt like you really had an idea of how far you wanted to allow him to develop as a character in season one in leaving space for potential future seasons and future episodes so that there's still always somewhere new to be able to take him? Yes again I'm, i think i'm going to credit this to john most of all for creating the arc of the character and where he ends um but to be honest there there is so much to be seen with this character and and we only see a, a fraction of it in in episode four um which hopefully if you're you know watching this you've watched um and if not, spoilers incoming, but like, you know, finding out that Graydon has been possessed before, um, that, you know, he's dealt with massive hardships in his past, but not really diving deep into them. And so I'm hoping that fans and people want more information of that and want more of that. And we don't really get it in season one. And that's okay. You know, there's so much more to do and so much more of Graydon that we find out that might not be that and this and that. So I think there's a lot to discover um, with him and honestly with all the characters. Um, so again, there we never felt like we had to hold him back and try and save some for the end or save some for later because it's a character that's rich with with story and, and, and potential. So we ended up putting it all out on the page from season one. And, and there's still more to be, you know, said if, if people want it. Um, I love that. And, and, and speaking of the, the possession in episode four, um, 
you know, it's it's such a different dynamic to have to to play to in terms of your character because it's not his voice that's coming yeah. out of him, um, you know, and there's just this completely different mental state that he's in because it's it's something else lingering inside of his body. It's not his own movements and actions. And so how did you go into to scenes like that, you know, especially when he's <sighs> been kind of a little bit more subtle on the outskirts and that's him dead center, but not yeah. his own self? You know, it was one of those episodes that freaked me out the most shooting because, um, I mean, th- there's so much going on with him. Not only do I have, you know, four hours of prosthetics on my chest, so I'm getting there at 4 a.m. to shoot by 8 um, when all my ca- all the co-stars come in and they're like, oh, great night of sleep. I'm like, yeah, I bet. Um, I'm learning a lot more lines than I'm used to in the show, which is not a issue but you know you get used to saying one word and then dipping out and that's a cushy job um so thanks john um and then beyond that they're quite emotional quite this and and you're trying to figure out how would this person being possessed possess me and how would that in turn make me and then beyond that there's even more so where there's like a little aspect wow the lighting's really good here um (laughs) Um, where there's a certain moment where I speak through not impressions, but like other people's voices come out of my mouth, whether it be, you know, Mims, uh, uh, Willow's daughter or Prince Eric Dempsey. Um, and a lot of that was even more interesting because I'm doing an impression of them who then also then have to do an impression of me when they do it in ADR. Um, and they did an overlay effect. So I had, I begged um, Annabelle and, and Dempsey uh, to record how they would say these lines so I can imitate them exactly as closely as I possibly could. So that way, when they go into ADR, it's one, easier, two, they can meld the voices. Um, but regardless, four was such a heavy episode, in, also in terms of emotionality. You know, there's a moment where you think the purgation has worked and, and you know, as John wrote in the script, Graydon is now sexy. Um, so I don't know how I was able to portray that. I don't think I actually did, to be honest. But like, you know, they straightened my hair. They put a little bit tighter clothes on me. And hey, maybe it leads to sexy Graydon. Um, but either way, it, to me, watching a lot of comedians do impersonations helped but also i you know it was really funny where i didn't want to watch anything scary or i had to deal with possessions no no horror films that do that because i think it's so cliche and not in a bad way they're wonderful and they make a lot of money for a reason but i wanted to make sure that whatever i was doing came from me and me um or from whatever co-star I was lending myself from. And um, it was a lot of conversations that, you know, it would be subtle at the beginning because I was so used to playing the character that way that it was really fun to then have the director, uh, Debs Patterson, um, and, and, you know, again, John and the creative team being like, go for it, go more, 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 more. Until I was like, oh, wow, I can really ham it up. Ham it up, it sounds like terrible, but not ham it up, but like, you know, go for it. Um, 
And um, again, beyond all these things and putting them all in my head with four to six hour prosthetics on my face or my body and my chest and working out because, you know, you want to get a pump on or something. Um, it, it ended up being an extremely exhausting episode, one that I, um, I put my heart and soul into. And then, so I hope people enjoy it. Um, and then afterwards, um, <laughs> I was done. I was beat. So I was like, write me out of one of the episodes so I can go to sleep. And, you know, they didn't do that. I'm in every episode, <laughs> but it's okay. I, um, I, 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 I don't regret it in the slightest. Um, and again, just one of those things where everything lends itself to the performance and my co-stars were so cognizant and how I think anxious I was about it all that they all really kind of helped me and support me from, you know, it, it was a lot of Ellie and I, and, and she was so sweet about it, but even, even near the end of the episode, when everyone kind of comes back together, um, Umer and Aaron and Ruby were so kind and like just generous, not only with performance and letting me, you know, go for it, but also physically, you know, getting me teas and stuff to make sure that my voice was fine because I was like raspy. Um, oh, I forgot to mention how hard impossible it was in the last scene when you have the visual effects of you know, the 1988 movie coming in and having to step dead precisely right, lean right, touch right, this, that, and how difficult that was with the visual effects, you know, because um, not only do you want to perform and you want it to feel authentic, but then you're also like, hit the mark and, you know, the prosthetic is falling off and all these thoughts are in your head. And um, again, it was it was probably the hardest episode to shoot for me. Um, but I'm glad I got through it and hopefully people like it. The, the payoff's definitely there. It's, it's such a wonderful episode and I'm so excited for everything <laughs> that it sounds like is still to come for him as a character and selfishly yeah. glad they didn't write you out of an episode after you needed a little more. <laughs> um, so thank you so much, Tony. So appreciate your time today and talking about all of this. It's been of such course. a pleasure. Likewise. Thank you so much.